The spin is supported by NatWest. Why? Because NatWest loves cricket. The skills it teaches and the communities it creates and want it to be easy for everyone to get involved. To find out about how NatWest is helping make cricket open to all, search NatWest Cricket. It's the spin! So I'm sitting here about to record the first episode of the Spin podcast, which I'm very excited about, but also quite nervous. Uh, the guests are padding up outside and I am really excited and pleased that Andy Bull can come on and talk to me about cricket because that's something we regularly do together anyway. He's also somebody whose opinion I really rate. So if he tells me that England are going to win the World Cup, then that's going to make me very happy. We've got a fantastic comedian called James Sherwood, who is also a musician and comedy and music are two of my favourite things. So I think that's going to go pretty well. And I'm very excited to hear what he thinks of the ICC official World Cup song. I suspect he won't enjoy it. And then we've got Bryony Smith, who is a player with Surrey and England. So she can talk to us about what it is actually like to get an England call up. She's also one of the few people in the country who knows how the 100 works because she's played in three of the pilot games. So I'm ready and I'm told if I press this button, the magic starts and the podcast begins. Let's give it a go. It's the... It's the... It's the... It's the the spin! Welcome to the spin. If the final episode of Game of Thrones left you cold, don't worry, summer is coming and cricket is here to fill that dragon-shaped void in your life. If England can keep up their current form, this fantasy drama might even have a happier ending. All hail King Joffre. As well as the World Cup squad, we'll catch up on the season so far, from IPL fireworks and Freddie Flintoff singing to Kevin Peterson living with rhinoceroses. It's the spin! Welcome to the spin. I'm Emma John, and throughout this heady summer of cricket, I'll be here with a lineup that combines the deadly accuracy of the Guardian sporting analysts with the wicked spin of my favourite comedians, not to mention some big hitting guests who all love their cricket. Before we start, thank you very much to the Horn section for our beautiful jingle. We'll actually be having Alex Horn on an upcoming show. But around our oval table today, we have Andy Bull at Deep Extra Cover, the Guardian's senior sports writer. And a man who lives conveniently close to our recording studio, fielding at third man, James Sherwood, comedian, musician and former junior member of Essex County Cricket Club. And down at Fine Leg, all-rounder Bryony Smith of Surrey and England. And for reasons known only to the producer of this show, I am stuck at Cow Corner. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hi. I hope you did your stretches before you came, because we're a very health and safety conscious podcast. So we're going to start with a gentle loosener to get your eye in. I'd like to know, please, who was your very first cricket crush? James, we'll start with you. Did you have a cricket crush? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure there's anyone I think of it in, in that way. There wasn't someone who I'd always cut the photo out of the, out of the paper or that sort of thing. It probably top of my list of people I was fans of would be it would have been Gooch. Um, but I wouldn't really call it a crush. So I'm not sure I have had a crush on oh, a I, cricketer. I, Obviously, until <laughs> Joss Butler. You know, I'm, not, I'm not made of stone. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Bryony? I used to love watching A.B. de Villiers play. Yeah? And I still love watching him play and... I think he's just signed for Middlesex as well in the T20 league, so hopefully get down and see him play live in a few 
Well, well, you, do you do you feel conflicted about that that he, he'll be playing for Middlesex? Yeah, it's, it's a bit Sorry, of a sore subject, to be honest. But um, I'll let him off. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I do feel quite sorry for both of you that you you haven't experienced a full fledged <laughs> cricket crush. Andy, I've, I've come to you last because I actually know who yours is, and um, I know it's exactly the same as mine. <laughs> yeah, um, mine was Mike Atherton, which is kind of awkward now because obviously we share a press box quite a lot. And actually, the first piece I wrote for a national newspaper was a long article about my sort of crush on Mike Atherton. It's called Heroes and Villains. And uh, I know he's read it, but he's always been good enough to never actually mention the fact to me that he read this. You think that's embarrassing? <laughs> you think that's embarrassing when you know that I have literally written a book <laughs> about the fact that I was obsessed with Mike Atherton as a teenager? I mean, I'm probably not even really allowed to talk about him on this podcast because we've actually only got the studio for an hour and uh, it could really, really <laughs> run away with us. Um, yeah, I did. Also, have... there's the restraining there order. Is <laughs> Thanks to our producer, we do, in his honour, um, we do have him here with us. Hello, Mr. Atherton. <laughs> if not in person, we have a beautiful framed picture of him at one end of the table I have the same thing as Andy you know it, there is, it is a unique brand of awkward writing publicly about how much you love somebody and then bumping into them at lunchtime in the press box uh, having said that Michael I think you and I can get past it I know you write for a rival newspaper but um, as this framed picture attests and this empty chair there will always be a place for you here <laughs> if, if you want but anyway let, let's move on to our first topic it's this which has to be the announcement of England's World Cup squad. We were given a provisional 15 a month ago, but teams are allowed to make last-minute changes up until May the 23rd. And England's 4-0 series win against Pakistan caused some last-minute scratchings out and some scribbled additions. So here is the final 15. I'll take a deep breath. Jason Roy, Johnny Bairstow, James Vince, Joe Root, Owen Morgan, Joss Butler, Ben Stokes, Chris Wokes, Moe Nally, Tom Curran, Joffre Archer, Liam Plunkett, Adil Rashid, Mark Wood and Liam Dawson. So Andy, please tell me they've got this right. Yeah, I think they have got it about right. The only sort of lingering question is whether they could have done with a left armour in there and whether that should have been David Willey. Because... Uh, they were something they were really obsessed with after the last World Cup, which was such a disaster, and they really wanted to get uh, someone with a left-arm angle into the team. And they brought Willian, actually, for the very first game after that tournament against Ireland in Malahide. And he's played, you know, I think about 40-odd games over the last four years, and now all of a sudden they've decided that's something they can do without. But that's a pretty minor quibble, really. Yeah, you've got to feel for David Willey. Bryony, you're actually the only person in this room who has ever had to wait for the England <laughs> selectors call. Um, have you ever had the call to tell you that you haven't made the cut? Yes, I've, I've had both ends of those calls. I've had the yes, you're in, and I've unfortunately had the not this time, but keep working hard and see what happens next time. It's not nice, but that's the way international elite sport is sometimes. These things happen. Did you take it as well as David Willey, who who put out a pretty glorious tweet with a, with a mm. lovely picture of his daughter dancing? Yeah, I think as a young player, I saw it as it's not the end of the world. It's only sort of my second or third time with the squad. So, and I've got loads of other cricket. We've got the academy squads and sort of county cricket as well so I agree with what he did he can go away to Yorkshire and smash some runs and get some wickets for them so James what, what do you think of um, Jofra Archer because 
Obviously, we spent the first half of this year debating the ethics of whether he should even be allowed to be eligible for the squad. And the ECB changed their residency rules. So he suddenly four years of Joffre Archer's life just vanished like that in, in, in a kind of amazing piece of time travel. And then he turns his arm over once in the game against Ireland. And we all start involuntarily dribbling with excitement. Has, <laughs> has any man ever won you over so quickly? He, well, apart from Josh Butler, um, he's, yeah, he does look extraordinary doesn't he it looks like he's playing in the wrong age group to me it looks like a, <laughs> looks like a 16 year old playing an under 12s game um, but that, I mean I do remember Graham Hick and Graham Hick was definitely going to change the world when he uh, when he qualified for England and in the end was a far more decent player than people remember but um, he didn't uh, he didn't change the world wow this is the most downbeat thing I've heard anyone say about Joffre Archer so far comparing him <laughs> to Graham Hick okay well we know that the batting lineup is is strong um, the Guardian itself is responsible for at least one of the names in England's batting lineup, which is James Vince, because this is the paper that reported that Alex Hales was serving a three-week drug ban that even his teammates didn't know about. Three weeks after the Alex Hale story, I feel like we've all kind of pretty much moved on and nobody feels like that's ruined the World Cup for England. No, his his absence means England have to struggle through with only seven match-winning batsmen in their top six. Yeah. So I, don't, I do right. think they're weaker for not having him around, though. I mean, Vince... I think has played now about 20 limited overs games for England and he's made 150 in those. So Vince is more of a potential pick, whereas Hales is obviously someone who has delivered for them again and again. What about the others who didn't make the squad? Because I think you could actually put together a, a pretty convincing and effective 11 of people who didn't make the squad. Obviously Hales, uh, he could open with Ben Duckett. Joe Denley coming at three, Ollie Pope, Sam Billings, although he has since injured himself, Ben Folk's wicket-keeping, the other Curran, or what, rather one of the other Currans, Sam Curran, Chris Jordan, who made 166 against North Ants just this week. Yeah, but if you're putting in everyone who makes 166 against North Ants, then where do you stop? <laughs> <laughs> Dave, David Willey, as mentioned, uh, Liam Livingston and, and Craig Overton uh, filling out the bowling. Are there, are there any of those people who you think would be particularly sad to miss out? I mean, I mean, Bryony, I'm guessing everybody's sad to miss out. Yeah. That's just the feeling you have. Yeah. Yes, obviously everyone wants to play, but as you've listed those players, we've got such a strong core group of players in England that if there's a last minute injury, then there's more than enough replacements to could even strengthen the squad as well. So we're not short of decent players in England. Of course, because there are, is it one or two injury replacements allowed? I'm not sure. I didn't realise there was a limit on them, actually. I, I know that once a player is injured, if you swap someone in for them, you can't bring that injured player back, which is why they were so worried about getting that spin bowling option right and had Liam Dawson in there rather than Joe Denley in the end. Who do we think is the player, or is there one single player in the current England team who they just cannot afford to lose? Adil Rashid. Now, that's interesting. A few people say that. What is it that's so special about Adil Rashid and why is he so key to that team, do you think? I mean, it's his ability to take wickets in the middle overs, isn't it? It's a huge... I mean, if you remember, that was such a problem for England for so many years. I mean, Liam Dawson is a really good county cricketer, but if you say you lost Rashid in the knockout stages of this World Cup and then you're relying on Liam Dawson to do that job for you, I think that's... James, did you actually know who Liam Dawson was before <laughs> his name turned up in the England setup? It felt like I did, um, because I know both of those names... I know both I'm familiar with Liam's and also Dawson's <laughs> um, several of both actually um, Les Dawson came most strongly to mind 
but uh, you know that's my, that's my business <laughs> that is your business and I, I, actually I missed out on the 1983 comedy world cup when I when Les Dawson was preferred to me in the uh, in the piano playing slot <laughs> well you know I hope you you took it well and, and you were right. as dignified as David Willey well I'm enormously impressed by Bryony's story in which I learned that when you don't get picked you still get a call I mean this does not happen in the in the entertainment world I can tell you I mean very very rarely you get to hear those delicious words I'm sorry we've gone another way uh, but generally it just it's like you never lived uh, if, you, if you don't get something but uh, so yeah well, Bryony uh, can we hear your thoughts on Adil Rashid I'd like to tell you first that one of my favourite things that NASA Hussein has said about Adil Rashid while he was commentating he announced that since that last World Cup he's been a massive tick <laughs> I think he said tick uh, Brian what are your thoughts on Adil he's hugely important in this team you know leg spinners they're known to take wickets they're also known to be a bit inconsistent but as you said if they're taking wickets you don't really mind that yes they might go for a few boundaries but you know that more than likely they're going to take a few wickets in a game and they can bowl 10 overs from one end pretty quickly so it's really important um, look, we may be gearing up to the World Cup, but there has been plenty of cricket already in the past couple of months. And that includes the all singing, all dancing IPL, which finished earlier this month. James, do you know who won that? Hmm? You got any idea who won the IPL? IPL, the International <laughs> Photographic League. Um, I've, I've not the faintest idea. No, no. I, I thought I'm not you sure, might not. I'm not sure I could name many of the teams. Well, this well, is because my... they're not real teams, are they? They're teams of people that people support. No one supports these things. That this is a fair point. It's the Indian Premier League's 12th season, and there is no doubting that it is huge in India. But it doesn't feel like it has captured the imagination over here. Is is that fair? And is it because it's been moved around so much on the TV schedule? It's shown on ITV, then Sky, then BT Sport. So we don't really know where to find it. And this is despite the fact that there were seven English cricketers involved this year, Andy. Yeah, but would you really be expecting English fans to be following the Mumbai Indians? Say, I mean, I think cricket fans do watch it and do follow it, but I'm not sure anyone really has an emotional connection to the team. So I wouldn't really expect them to necessarily. Yeah, I mean, like in the 1980s, I'm sure Happy Bank had some great games against railways, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to watch them. Bridie, there were there were England women players out for the women's the IPL Challenge, uh, which was kind of trial tournament, I understand, uh, for for women to play IPL. So does that get you excited about it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was in Mumbai a few weeks ago, and I was lucky enough to go and watch Mumbai Indians again. Kings Eleven, so I got to see the likes of Chris Gale and Sam Curran play for the opposition. So, and the atmosphere out there is amazing. You know, it was a packed stadium, win by one as well off the last ball. So it was absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, as you said, the thought of having a women's IPL is something that we all look forward to. Having those three girls go over and come back with really good feedback and the reception they got out there was good as well so the thought that that could be something in a couple of years is something that we're all really excited for and see what happens with that that is really interesting it does feel like it's a players tournament obviously because there's a lot of money involved for the players who get to go out there I I don't know if there'll be will there be lots of money for the women I hope so (laughs) Johnny Bairstow and David Warner opening the batting for Sunrisers Hyderabad seem to be having the time of their lives yeah well also like Barney says you're in 
one of the few places in the world where you know a cricketer is treated like a footballer is treated here you know and that must be so thrilling to be a cricketer particularly if you're coming from the county circuit when as we know attendances aren't always that great and suddenly you're in these stadiums surrounded by tens of thousands of people screaming and shouting and for any cricket fan if you can go to a game there the atmosphere is insane it's incredible uh, so you can totally understand how addictive that would be for a player it's a it's a holiday maker sport, isn't it? It's like if you're on holiday in the area, you should definitely go to the IPL. I mean, right. the same way I'd probably go to a game of baseball, but there's no way I'm finding out which of my stations carry the baseball while I'm not in America. To bring you up to speed, James, since you didn't, you hadn't seen yeah. the final. Mumbai Indians actually beat Chennai Super Kings. It's the spin. Googleys, slog sweeps, dibbly dobbly bowlers. There are lots of reasons kids like cricket. It's fun to say, fun to play. It also keeps them moving, gets them talking and helps them focus, which is why NatWest thinks everyone should have a chance to play. It partners with Chance to Shine, a cricket charity bringing the game to schools and communities across the country to give young people new skills, new experiences and more chances to use silly words. From the school kids turn brilliant bowlers to the city tapeball teams, NatWest has paired up with The Guardian Labs to tell more stories of making cricket a game for all. Read them at theguardian.com forward slash NatWest dash cricket. This message was paid for by NatWest. This is The Spin, the brand new cricket podcast from The Guardian. I'm Emma John and my guests are Guardian sports writer Andy Bull, comedian James Sherwood and England player Bryony Smith. On this episode of The Spin, we have been catching up on the summer so far. But Andy, I want to mention a piece you've written, which is currently up on The Guardian website about the state of cricket in England. It's easy to get distracted by this massive World Cup and Ashes summer, but um, that is, of course, the very pointy end of the pyramid. But you have been travelling the country to look at the rest of the game. What did you find? Uh, A lot of tea, a lot of cake, a lot of sandwiches, all those things you'd expect. But the the idea of that project was tied to the World Cup because the ECB and Tom Harris and their chief executive in particular keep describing it as a once in a generation opportunity to revitalise the game in this country. So we wanted to travel around a bit and see whether the game really did need revitalising and whether this World Cup and the ashes after it and then on beyond that, the new tournament they're launching next year, the 100, whether that was going to have the effect they think it's going to and they want it to have uh, in the opinion of all the people who run the game at clubs and counties and even villages we went to. And what did you discover? Are people excited about this summer and about the 100? Well, I mean, it's... I mean, And the ECB say this themselves and their own research shows it. The, the game is in a bit of a bubble in this country right now. So I think even ask your friends down the pub, people who aren't that into cricket, whether they're excited about this World Cup. And you might find that some of them don't even know it's going on. That's certainly what I've found. And I think around the cricket clubs, people are excited about this tournament, but they're all very aware that the wider community isn't necessarily. And that's obviously tied, to be honest, to the decision to put the game on Sky, I would argue. And a lot of those people argue too, that kids just aren't seeing enough cricket on TV anymore. You can't see what you can't be, famously. No. You can't see. That's the other way around. (laughs) Infamously, non famously, you can't see what you can't be. And actually, we were talking about the IPL a minute ago, and some of the kids I was speaking to did say the the only cricket they really do see is the IPL. They'll they'll watch snatches of the IPL, and that will be the cricket they see. Why so? Because it's on, you know, whichever channel it's on. Sometimes it's been on free-to-air, hasn't it? Or terrestrial channels have it. And I think BT have had it as well, haven't they? 
So that some of those kids are actually more into the IPL and they don't really get to watch England play at all. And so you know, some of the stats that illustrate that, the, the big problem in cricket in this country at the moment is in participation, which has dropped by 20%. Monthly participation has dropped by 20% in the last three years. In 2005, say, which is the last time cricket was really a national event in this country, that 2005 Ashes series when, if you remember, Trafalgar Square was filled with people celebrating the England cricket team, and it was a national obsession. And it's really about... Are they going to be able to recapture that by winning the World Cup? And the ECB would really like them to be able to recapture that excitement and that national uh, mood. But people don't really think the World Cup is going to do that simply because the wider world isn't going to be watching it. Bryony, you were seven in 2005. Is that right? <laughs> Possibly. I can't do the maths on the top of my head. Was, but... it, was, it, a, was it, it wasn't the summer that you got interested in cricket? I remember it. I remember watching them win the Ashes, but I wouldn't say it. That was the summer that inspired me to play cricket. I think it was more for me 2009 when the women won both World Cups in the same year. So that was a big year for women's cricket and sort of a big step forward for us. And I just remember Charlotte Edwards lifting that trophy and Ebony Rainford-Brent, who you might know, who's director of women's cricket at Surrey, so he's almost my boss in some ways. Just seeing her with the trophy and then now being able to sort of work with her and I've played with her as well. So that was a big year for women's cricket and hopefully we can recreate that in the future. So actually, maybe the future for bringing people into the sport is as much the women's team now as the men's. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing that actually came across quite clearly talking to all these different people. It's one of the big, and I hate to talk like a middle-ranking marketing manager, but one of the big growth areas for the game is in developing women's cricket, uh, which has been massively under-resourced for years, as, as many improvements as they've made in the last decade. And, you know, I don't want to really just start rambling and ranting and raving about this but let's let's talk about the 100 which is obviously what the ECB are hoping is really going to be the thing that revitalizes the game in this country we're going to have 11 games on BBC on free to air so they're hoping that's going to be a really transformative thing that's going to make the sport part of the national conversation again and the reason they've brought in the 100 is because they need to attract more women more families and more people with South Asian heritage into the game 15 years ago they brought in 2020 and the reasons they brought in 2020 were because they needed to attract more women, more children, and more people with South Asian heritage. Wait, the game. are you saying they didn't succeed? It didn't succeed. And at first, in the first year, it kind of looked like it had succeeded. But over time, 2020 became something else. It became the most lucrative and popular form of the sport. And 15 years later, they're saying the 100 is going to do that for them. Well, if 2020 didn't do that, why is the 100 going to? Well, maybe because they have completely left off any sign of cricket on the 100 marketing. <laughs> James, did you see the, the new logo for the 100? Not knowingly. No. Uh, I probably drove past it a few times. <laughs> they launched it last week and it's just the word the 100 in, in a sort of funky typeface. Absolutely no reference to cricket because obviously we don't want to put people off. How exciting. Sounds makes them sound like an asset management firm. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of all this from the viewpoint of a fan the thing that has struck me as particularly insane is when they've said we want to attract new people for cricket great and then when they were asked so do you still want to attract the old people to cricket as well they said no now surely this has never happened in the history of marketing surely mars has never launched a special new shaped mars bar and said and we don't want anyone who currently <laughs> buys mars bars to buy it it's just it's it's not that it's nonsense from uh, just from a cricket fan's perspective it's just it's just insane marketing that so we only want people who have never even heard the word cricket before those are the people that, that we want to turn up what 
Why? That's, that is <laughs> never, that has never worked in the history of human society. There was a there well, was a quote. Best of luck. <laughs> there was a quote in a piece that Andy wrote about the hundred from Ashley Giles, which I thought was fascinating, and I I love to know what the context of it was. Apparently, Ashley Giles said, "This isn't about what people want; it's about what people need." Yeah, he did say that. Uh, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Why do people need the hundred? Well, because the, the ECB would say that the game. I'm not going to say dying. Cricket is not dying in this country, but it's waning. Its popularity is waning. And they're really, they've bet everything. And that's not an exaggeration. They have literally spent the cash reserve they built up over the last 10 years on this tournament. So they have bet the house on making this 100 a success and making it the thing that's going to revitalize the game. And the World Cup is supposed to build momentum for that. I would also say, you know, the 100 could well be a massive success. But then you have to ask yourself, what does cricket look like five years after that? And if the 100 is then taking up all the oxygen in the middle of summer, where do you think that's going to leave test cricket? Where do you think it's going to leave the county championship? If everyone is saying, wow, the 100 is what cricket is about in this country now. Uh, I get really angry about this, but they keep talking about making it simpler, making the game simpler. And this is going to make the game simpler and easy to understand. It doesn't tell anyone how the LBW rule works, right? And all those people turning up for the 100, it's not the scoring that's complicated in cricket. It's understanding things like the LBW rule and the power play rules, which the power play regulations, even people who like cricket don't really understand what each of the specific power plays means at any one time. Also, the word power play is completely wrong because <laughs> only one of those power plays, which is the first one, actually creates a kind of, you know, batting fest of a power play and the other two don't do that. Uh, Brian, let's get the player's view on this. What do you think, firstly, about the 100 and secondly, about what kind of cricket you want to be playing next year? Because the women's season is still very much up in the air. I played in a couple of the pilot games for the 100 in September I think it was and it did take a while to get used to I think we played three games and the first game to be honest I had absolutely no idea what I was doing because <laughs> there was people bowling from both ends and you've got I think you've so you got didn't, you didn't know which ball to hit <laughs> I think you've got like 60 minutes to bowl 100 balls which is not that much time to be honest and people running around everywhere sort of no, you're going to bowl that end now. You've just bowled five balls that end. Now you've got to go to the other end and bowl. So it really it was, was chaos, wasn't it? It was you a bit just... chaotic, but once you get used to it, by the last game, we'd figured out tactics and it's actually quite exciting. I quite enjoyed it by the time we got to the last game. The by first the time, game by the time was you a bit knew like, what the score was. <laughs> yeah. And then the 100 ball countdown, I was getting confused about, is that, are we counting down? Are we counting up? Who knows what's going on? But it's actually, it's not as complicated when you're playing. Right. But I can see how people who have never watched cricket will not necessarily understand it straight away. But I can see the big positives for it as well you know it's a shorter game yes it's not well breaking it's only 10 20 minutes off the time of a t20 but to get kids and more women and families along and to have it on bbc i think will be a big push for cricket and you know if they see 100 ball then they're more likely to go to a t20 and then as you said they could build up from there yeah, that is that is a i do find that a slightly strange argument though in the sense of we're adding an extra layer yeah. for people <laughs> to get through we're saying here's another rung on the ladder and if our aim is that ultimately everybody loves test match cricket as much I, I'm not sure that is the end game. Anymore. No? No, no. I mean, Ed Smith, who's now England's head selector, obviously, he once wrote a piece talking about how test cricket is going to become like vinyl records. It's going to become this quite niche thing that people are slightly obsessive about. And actually, T20 or the 100 is going to be mainstream music, you know. And I think he's probably 
right in that. And now he's in charge. Now he's in charge. <laughs> he yeah. can make that happen. <laughs> it kind of makes me, we were talking about 2005 and how it became a genuine national obsession. And I kind of wonder whether you can do that in one day games because wasn't part of the excitement that you would see things on the front page and it was sort of, wow, this game is amazing. Oh, it's still going on. You mean I can turn the telly on and watch this game that I've read about? Today? Yeah. It's carrying on today. And the day after? Wow, this is great. <laughs> and the day after? That's amazing. Um, oh, and then there's another match after that? Oh, God, well, that oh, probably won't be as good. It was as good? Wow, that's incredible. And <laughs> um, because there's an... I mean, like Game of Thrones, to quote the tune that was being played on the escalator at, at King's Cross on the way here, were you there? with the guy on the mandolin, mandolin yep, playing the, playing yeah. I thought I don't watch it and I know that's the game of Thrones thing too. but people like an arc people like to see events and then be able to think oh that has happened because of things that happened ages ago and cricket is the only sport that gives us this there are times that you know you hit the winning four off the last ball that's only the winning four because you took a catch in the middle of last week Brilliant point. there are certain sentences you never imagine yourself saying aloud in a room full of cricket fans it's all the sentences everything I've ever said it's <laughs> things I've never <laughs> wished or wanted or hoped to say well here's another one Kevin Peterson is the new David Attenborough <laughs> course he is. If you've been wondering what everyone's favourite Quetta gladiator has been up to since his retirement, the answer is of course, saving the rhino. You may have heard him on his podcast. He has installed himself at the edge of the Kruger Park and is reinventing himself as a full-time conservationist. And this does make me wonder, is this the oddest post-cricket career that we've ever seen? Have there ever been other cricketers who had a less likely second career than that? James? Nobel Prize is quite good. Is that Sam, yeah, Samuel, Samuel Beckett. Beckett? Two games for Trinity College Dublin against Northamptonshire and then Nobel Prize for Literature. That's so, quite good. So you're, you're claiming that it, literature was his second career? <laughs> it, was, it was his second career, yeah. yeah. yeah he probably say that himself. I'm sure that was his Nobel acceptance speech. <laughs> I'd quite like to talk to you about the hat trick I took at Trinity College. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and, and of the other Nobel laureates, I bet Harold Pinter would have happily <laughs> stolen Samuel Beckett's cricket career rather than his literary <laughs> career. <laughs> Very happily. Uh, who else? Uh, Imran Khan, I think, went on to do something else. Uh, Imran Khan becoming Prime Minister of Pakistan, it, I feel like is one we all saw coming. It was a bit like Mike Brilli becoming a psychoanalyst. You know, that, that is not, that's know, not, not a the, surprise. The, the KP thing, is it that outrageous what he's doing? It's not that. I suppose it's because it's incredibly selfless. And, you know, for a cricketer that was kind of famous for his ego, it, it seems a little bit of a gear shift. I mean, to be honest, when I saw the words KP saving the rhino, I assumed the rhino was a nickname for one of his drinking mates so what is it save the rhino that's not his accent is it wrong country yeah it just sounds like someone unbearable that you might meet on a pub crawl (laughs) (laughs) have you met the rhino oh god do I have to I mean what I find most infuriating about it is that you know he's kind of using his money and fame for good which means I can't make jokes about him anymore pretty annoying I, I do think there are some kind of more interesting second careers out there I mean yeah I mean there's a South African fast bowler called Bob Crisp who became a tank commander and then became a hermit in Greece where he wrote uh, a series of very good books called Zen and the Art of Donkey Maintenance <laughs> uh, that was one of my favourite second careers uh, Chris Old ran a chip shop didn't he? right I was trying to remember who it was who had the chip yeah. shop Chris Old had a, had a he chip did shop. run a chip shop but I think it became a little bit much for him because they sold up and then he started working in Sainsbury's, in Sainsbury's yeah. Brian have you had any thought about what second career you might even have? 
bit too early for that. What, how did you feel about your second career when you were 21? <laughs> really? Oh, well, I'll do this for 15 years, and then, then I might become a tank commander. <laughs> Nothing as extravagant as what we've just been speaking about, I think. I think the most natural thing these days is to go into, you know, coaching or media after um, you stop playing, but I'm not sure I'd be a rhino... Save the rhino, Yeah, not for me, but... There are a couple of players who I think have did extremely well. One was C.B. Fry, who obviously had a number of different careers, including, you know, speechwriter for the Indian delegation of the League of Nations and, and famously offered the vacant throne of Albania. Yeah. Did he have the world, uh, long jump world record at one point as well, C.B. Fry? Also that. But our own Ken Barrington, I think, might have matched him. He had a number of companies, uh, which included selling cars, selling carpets, selling perfume, selling his own brand of clothing, as well as working at a local solicitor's, a local accountant's, and apparently painting his local train station. Busy boy. Busy, busy man. Things that haven't changed in cricket and in international sport in general is that if there's a big tournament, there's going to be an official song. You would be entirely forgiven if you had missed the World Cup songs this year. This one, Stand By, is the official song of the 2019 Cricket World Cup by Lauren featuring Rudimental. And this is the song used to officially launch the World Cup last year. And yes, that is the vocals of Freddie Flintoff uh, butchering, or no, should I say covering, an Imagine Dragons track. The question for our panel is, is it now time for cricket to stop releasing World Cup songs? <laughs> what do you think, Brian? <laughs> I like the World Cup songs. Yeah, I you, think you were enjoying that. that. You know, it helps to promote it and it's a bit of fun as well. And I've got that song in my head now, the Flintoff one, so I'll be singing it for the rest of the day. So that might not appeal to everyone, but it's something that lightens it up and appeals to not just cricket fans, but to everyone. Are you saying that Freddie is a better musician than <laughs> Rudimental? Uh, no. <laughs> you never know. His song is catchier though, right? I mean, the Lauren one, I can't, the Rudimental Lauren yeah. one, I, can't, I haven't made it through to the end of that. And I've tried two or three times. <laughs> if you haven't made it to the end, that means you, you probably haven't listened to the lyrics, which are one of the things that fascinate me. She's actually singing that there's, there's a million other people she could be out with right now. She could probably be having a better time elsewhere. <laughs> Which seems a really odd thing uh, to make as a kind of anthem for for your World Cup tournament. She actually sings the line, I've got options. (laughs) (laughs) It's an all right song, isn't it? It's an absolutely all right song. Not a cricket song, is it? Absolutely not. It's It's a song with a cricket video. Well, very, very slightly cricket. It's a, well, it's sort of party video, but one of them's holding a white ball. I know standby's meant to sound like, oh, something really exciting is going to happen, but it sounds a bit like the criticism of cricket from people who know nothing in, about cricket and don't like it. I mean, it could have been called Stand Around. <laughs> Stand Around, waiting for something to happen, and it doesn't. Or I mean, Leg By. That's just gone leg that, by. <laughs> Two Leg Bys, one short. <laughs> of course, England does not have a, a happy uh, relationship with World Cup songs when it's hosting the World Cup, because in 1999, famously, the Dave Stewart song, Life is a Carnival, came out after England were already out of the cup. And I, I noticed that with the Freddie Flintoff one, that that was launched last August to make sure that you know there was something people could sing along to Freddie uh, we were talking about K 
JP and post-cricket careers, Freddie, I feel like, was a guy who could do absolutely anything on a cricket pitch. And no one ever really told him that he couldn't necessarily do absolutely everything off a cricket pitch. And he's had a lot of different careers now as a boxer and a TV host and a singer. And I'm sure there are a bunch more that I've forgotten. And the singing, I think, is the least convincing of them all. It is, isn't so it? I'm not buying that one. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel like the words, can you say auto-tune, belong, <laughs> <laughs> belong in that video. And did you know there was, a, there was actually a happy ending to the Dave Stewart 1999 World Cup song, which was that I discovered yesterday, five years later, he rewrote that song for a Disney film for Around the World in 80 Days. He actually rewrote all the words. There are various lines that have changed to include talking about Phileas Fogg and mice dancing with cats and dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that the video for that. Do you remember was this kind of pastiche of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which again is a really weird thing to do. It was creepy. <laughs> yeah. James, you're a musician. Can you talk us through the ingredients for a good World Cup song? The best ones are probably the ones where it says, oh, everyone thinks we're going to be rubbish, but, you know, we've got faith. We think we're going to do brilliantly. But of course, I think that needs to be adapted this time because England are favourites. So I'm planning, in fact, a song based on the idea that everyone thinks it's going to go great. But don't worry we've been here before you know those of us who remember a couple of world cups know that's not how it's going to end uh, and don't, don't worry we'll, we'll be back in familiar england territory before the end of the tournament uh, the only line i've got for it so far is we'll snatch defeat from out the jaws of victory because all england players look like graham hick to me <laughs> Well, I think your challenge should be to write that song for us for, yeah. a, for a future show. Well, we don't all have to do that, do we? <laughs> <laughs> That's your homework, Abby. You can play bongos. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've got you up to date on the summer so far. In our next episode, we'll be looking forward to the Cricket World Cup with Guardian's cricket correspondent Vic Marks and garrulous Australian Jeff Lemon. It's coming out on Tuesday, but we'll be making this show throughout the summer. So we want to make sure you don't miss out. Hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast to make sure that you keep hearing us. If you're excited as the World Cup as we clearly are, then get your hands on a copy of The Guardian on Saturday the 25th of May, because that will include our comprehensive guide to the tournament. But until then, it's a big thank you to our guests Andy Bull, James Sherwood and Bryony Smith, and goodbye till next time. It's The Spin! The Spin is supported by NatWest. To find out about how NatWest is making it easier for everyone to get involved in cricket, search NatWest Cricket.